When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new show here at PHNX. We're taking some outside shots with my man, Eddie Johnson. We're brought to you by OG's Brands, the best edible in the market. Uh, Eddie, welcome to the show, baby. Let's go. Here we go. I always wanted to work with you. <laughs> you are just such a hero to me. Jesus always. God. <laughs> I mean, you're an attractive man. You're I just know. handsome. You're true. just a great family guy. <laughs> Man, I'm excited. Well, hey, listen, this is going to be a compliment you ever get from me. <laughs> it's the only one I've ever gotten from you. Uh, listen, this is going to be a fun show. We're going to talk a little bit of ball. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, random stuff as well. But And we will also, of course, talk about your beloved Phoenix Suns on this show. Every single show, once a week, every Thursday at 11 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on episode number one. And let's get right into it. Eddie, we had this clip. That's been going viral across the country uh, of these kids, these little kids playing uh, hoops. And uh, listen, they mimic the NBA players as well as anybody, especially Big Thunder down here, uh, telling people that just a little too small. Uh, <laughs> and this kind of led into a discussion between you and I about what we think this means and what this has meant to the NBA as it stands today and really the evolution of high school to AAU and how it's now invaded the NBA in terms of uh, just the overall aesthetic, if you will. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, technology is probably one of the best inventions in the history of the world. I didn't have that growing up. Mm -hmm. Like I had to actually go to a game to watch it. I, I couldn't like turn on TV, go on my phone, look at YouTube and all these different things. These kids now, they're so sensitive and they're so tender that you have to be careful with them. Uh, I was just hardcore. Man, went to the hardcore, got beat up, played, didn't go home, watch any video. My brothers took control of me. That's just how it was. And when I got to the highest level of basketball, I was prepared. Nobody infiltrated my mind. Yeah. I saw a young Steph Curry when I was playing for the Charlotte Hornets. He was at the other end of the court every time we were practicing. And I never saw him shoot a three, never. He was always shooting, his, his dad, Dale Curry, had him shooting mid-range shots, 10 foot out, because if you're not strong enough, you don't go back further. Mm. You only move back when you get stronger. When I see kids doing this, it's not their fault. It's adults' fault. Adults have to be better. They, not, they are not leading these kids the correct way. I've said it publicly and some people didn't like it. I said, Steph is un so unbelievable, he's bad for basketball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've said it because you can't match what he does. It's almost impossible to do it. And if you want to match it, you have to start out how he did. And a lot of kids don't know the blueprint to how Steph got to where he is. And then out there flexing and all of that. It's just, you know, I have no <laughs> issue with the flexing and all that. It's kind of comical. But you got to balance it with what? Sincerity on the court working hard between the lines, understanding it is some kind of showmanship in regards to it, 
But I would probably tell kids to calm that down because that's not good to see. Knuck, so so we call this segment Knuck or Buck. Either you love it, so you give it Knucks, or you buck it because you don't like the trend that it's setting. And when we talk about trends, we've been talking about load management and the NBA and how significant and crazy it has been over the course of really the last decade. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, there's a debate to be had whether or not it's good or bad for the game. I think one of the things that I always point to is, is it's never good when people spend the kind of money that they spend to go watch an athlete who is completely healthy sitting out of a game. Yeah. It's never good for the game. No. And we we got into it because you were talking about how, you know, back in the day, of course, mm -hmm. Guys were playing 82 games. Yes. Uh, you know, if you were healthy, you got out there. If you had some small little minor injury, you just sucked it up and you went out there. You you balled because not only did you love the game, but also you knew what it meant to other people that were <laughs> investing the time and effort and money to come watch you play. First, you got to fall in love with the game. Mm -hmm. Like, when I tell you I loved the game, I freaking loved it. Like, I slept with that thing. Yeah. That was my girlfriend. Literally, that was my girlfriend. I could not go to sleep unless I was holding that ball. And my brother sometimes would try to sneak in there and take that ball, and it's a fight. Like, <laughs> that was my woman. And when I fell in love with that game, because I love baseball, I was a very good baseball player, like football, I said when I decided that I fell in love with that thing, that's all I thought about. I was on the courts in Chicago from 8 in the morning to dark. And my mom, I can hear her screaming. And my nickname was Pig. Okay, don't use it too much on this show. Pig! <laughs> Pig! And Why? I go home. Why? They, well, they say I was greedy when I was a baby, so they named me Pig. <laughs> but I heard that voice. I got in a couple of more shots. I was home. And I'm telling you, man, I just lived and breathed that thing. And I listened to coaches. I learned. And I never could, like, miss a game. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't miss a basketball game until I one, one day I woke up in 1986. Sacramento came. We had just moved from Kansas City. Up until that point in time, I had played every game. Now, I had some DMPs because Cotton Fitzsimmons, you know, lost his mind and didn't play. <laughs> but... I never missed a game. And I woke up one morning and I couldn't move my back. I just was stiff. But I still said I was going to play. Went to the game, said, I think I can play. Coach said, no. He said, no. Phil Johnson was the coach then. He said, no, you're not, you're not playing. That was the first game I missed in my entire life that I was ready to play. And after that, kept going. Learned how to play through injury. Dislocated shoulder. Swollen face. I mean, bad knees. Everything I played. Because I love the game. These guys don't love it at the level that I loved it and guys that I grew up with playing love the game. So it's easy for them to say, oh, I'll take a night off. It's easy for Kawhi Leonard to say, oh, I'm going to take this one out. After scoring 40 the game before. Yeah. Man, please. I, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't understand it. I can't deal with it. <laughs> but, but, is it but is it a little bit more complex than that? Is it, is it that we, the science behind everything now is telling people, because that's the part of this problem, right? We talked about, we have, a, we have a tweet from Stan Van Gundy yesterday that Kevin Durant actually liked and was, was giving him props on. He said the 90s NBA teams uh, had just a, a trainer and a strength coach. They practiced more often and harder and played more back-to-backs. Teams now have 
huge medical and performance staffs and value rest over practice, yet injuries and games missed are way up. Something is not working. Um, you know, there, there, there used to be this, this adage, and then obviously Kevin Durant saying Stan spitting. Mm. Um, and, and then it was funny cause they got into it a little bit, but, but KD was like, yo, chill. I'm on your side on this <laughs> argument, which was kind of funny, but you know, th- people will tell you like, well, people have, we've advanced uh, medically and we know what bodies are capable of and not capable of. But then when Stan's talking about, you know, and it's a, and it's a worthy point, are they injured or are they hurt? There's a difference between the two. Like, you can you can you can play through injury. You can't play if you're hurt. And I think that's what the confusion is, uh, not only for us fans, but also for the players themselves. Like I you hear guys like Landry Shamit talking about like he was itching to play this past week, but medical staff's telling him, No, you can't, you can't, you can't. Um, is that I, I don't think fans know where to go with that, where the blame really lies. Because it's in that instance, it wouldn't be the player because he w- says he wants to play, but the medical staff is holding him out. So which yeah. one is it? It's a lot of different <laughs> dynamics, and, and you and I word it differently. I say if you hurt, you can play. If you injure, which injure, you sit down. Okay, I'm not going at you with that, but <laughs> hopefully I can change your mind on how to say it. But uh, you get the point. I think it's a number of things. One, we've allowed analytics to just totally take the game. I like analytics to a point. I was a stat guy, but I was a basic stat guy. Mm -hmm. I wasn't deep into it. I think you get too deep into it, it messes up your game. See a lot of players out there right now that are thinking too much instead of just playing. And so I think analytics has really hurt the game in that sense. They've done some very good things, but I think they've gotten too much ownership on a broad range of things. And more importantly, what we're talking about is how a person's body feels. For the life of me, I don't know, just because they put all these gadgets on your body and they're following you and practicing all that, that they can say, oh yeah, you know, he got tired after eight minutes through. Man, look, I never got tired in a freaking game. Yeah. Listen to me, I never got tired in a game. How can you get tired when there's so many stops and timeouts and all that's going on? I was in top shape, never got tired. So don't tell me that I was tired in practice. I hated practice. I was probably tired because I didn't want to be there. I was probably tired because I was out late the night before. (laughs) I wasn't drinking water either. Okay, so I didn't do that before a game. So you're measuring me on something that is not really real. Yeah. And they're sitting there and they're doing that. And I'm like, no, that's just not the way it is. And then how are you going to tell me that if I'm hot, like Devin Booker was dropping 20 plus in a quarter, that I need a rest? I don't need a rest. Trust me, the, the, the more positive things happen, the more stronger you get. Yeah. Like, when it's an elephant on your shoulder, when you can't make a shot, yeah, you get fatigued. So it's that stuff, man, that's just killing me, but these players are soaking it up. They're soaking it up because some of these players are looking for an excuse not to play. Yeah. Because some players fight it, trust me, like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, not just hearing that. No. He out there playing. Mikael Bridges, not hearing that. There's a lot of players in the league that's not hearing it. Some players embrace it because they don't mind doing it. And that's the part that disturbs me. I think that's the reason why so many people love Devin Booker. 
Like, because yes. he, he, he'll he play all 82 games. Yes. He won't load manage. He's never load managed. Play beat up. And every time he sits out, it's because it's a legitimate injury, as you put yes. it. Um, and so I think that's why he's so adored here, because we know he's got that in him. And people want to support people. Listen, we all have to go to our jobs day after mm-hmm. day. And we have to put in 8 to 12 to 14, sometimes 16 hours a day. Like, it's it's not, every day we don't necessarily want to do it, right. but we have to do it. Yes. And, we, and, and sometimes, depending on what industry you're in, you have a desire to be the best in that industry and be the best at your craft. And Devin Booker's like that. He, re, he resembles that. He's got an old school mentality that kind of derives from Kobe as well because Kobe was like that. Right. When we move forward and we talk about the evolution of this game, we talked about training and how much that really impacts everything. We got into a discussion about LeBron. Mm-hmm. And not only, yes, he's physically gifted, for sure. But there's, just like they used to say about Michael back in the day, that if you have a gift, but you don't train to enhance that gift and really put in the work to be able to be the best, you'll never be the best. No, Because there's a lot of NBA players that have a lot of great talent. J.J. Redick, on a much lower level, obviously compared to LeBron, talked about his training regimen mm-hmm. when he was in the season, and we have that clip right here. You weren't even around me in the offseason. My offseasons were harder than the season, right. bro. That's a fact, and that's a big reason I retired because I couldn't do a fucking other offseason. Straight up. Like, my offseasons were six days a week, two or three workouts a day, Saturdays off, Sundays make 342 shots exactly every Sunday in the offseason for the last 13 years. Why 342? It's very simple, man. There's seven spots on the floor, 20 spot twos, 20 spot threes, three dribbles going right, three dribbles going left. That's plus 20 free throws. That's 342. This is that shit that happened to him when he was I was like this, dude. I was like happened. I started cold tubbing, and I'd be like, all right, they want me to cold tub for 12 minutes. So I'd cold tub for 12 minutes, and then – I get the point where I'm like, you know, if I start my timer a little too early, I'm not getting that full 12 minutes. I don't want to cheat myself. So I started cold tubbing for 12 minutes and 25 seconds just to give myself wiggle room, right? You know, then I'd – everything. My, my routine, like, on a normal day of game, I knew exactly what I was going to eat for breakfast. I knew exactly when I was going to get to the gym. I knew exactly how many minutes I was going to spend in the hot tub before I got on the training table. Then I got my work in the weight room for activation. Then I got my pre-shoot around shooting. Then my post-shoot around shooting. Then my cold tub. Knew exactly what I'm going to eat for lunch. Then I knew exactly when I was going to nap. I had my naps timed out, bro. By the end of my I career, like I if I said I need, to, I need to fall asleep at 1.05 to wake up at 3.30, I could do it like that. Your body is just waking up. He's making yeah. me feel like I could have been better, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I didn't have none no, of this. The whole shit day, time. the whole day. I, I, was I know I had out. a routine. Yeah. This yeah. is different. My off seasons, bro, they started the next Monday. Yeah. It was on Saturday. I'm in the gym Monday. Like that. I I I love the process. Like it, it, what he finished off with that, and he said, I love the process. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's a mindset to that. And it's funny that Q Rich talked about how he didn't do that. Yeah. And you see the longevity of both of their careers. It speaks to taking care of your body. It speaks yeah. to the desire and the will to want to play this game of basketball that they're gifted to be able to play. We talked about LeBron and how different LeBron is and how much he invests into his body. Why do you think more NBA players don't do that? Well, I think they want to take shortcuts. That's what separates the great players from the very good players to the average players. Mm-hmm. And you can elevate yourself. Based on what J.J. Redick is talking about, based on what LeBron has done his entire career, which he is a freak of nature, he is 100% committed, he is a billionaire, still putting in that hard work. Trust me. I mean, everybody's not doing that when they start to get all that bread. They start to back up. They start to take shortcuts. They start working on rap careers. 
you know, <laughs> things of that nature while they're still playing the that's game. That's only specific. Yeah, and that, that's the crazy <laughs> part. And I relate to what J.J.'s doing, but I didn't have the ability to get in a cold tub like these young players do now. I mean, these workout facilities that they have is just top notch. If I had those when I was growing up, I would probably have played till I was 50. And I'm not being funny about it because I was always in great shape. And I did the things that JJ did. I got up, worked out, I slept, I ate right, as right as I could eat. I mean, I thought McDonald's was a good hamburger to eat before a game. <laughs> uh, you know, but I wish I would have known better, right? But I did all the necessary things uh, to get myself ready to play. When I got between the lines in the gym for practice, I did. I got my shots up, all moving shots, game shots. It, I was maniacal. I had guys that did not want to work out with me. Mm-hmm. You ever talked to Eddie House, who played in the league a long time? I worked him out one time. He threw up right there on the floor. Damn. That's how hard I worked out. And so I understand what J.J.'s doing, what Sam's talking about, and what LeBron's talking about. And that's why J.J. had a long career. And he cut it short. He could have played longer. Mm. And that's why we're seeing LeBron right now in his 20th year at 38 years old dropping 30 and 40 points consistently. This is something that young players have to take a hold of. And they have not. There's a lot of guys in the league, they shortcut, man. I'm telling you, they don't, they don't do it. They're just living off for what their body is. They're going to look up in about five to six years, and they're gone. And they're not going to have a long career. I don't care if they got into the league at 18. The meter starts when you get to the 82-game season, mm-hmm. not because you're 18 and you think you're going to play for uh, 16 years. Does not play that way. This game sucks the energy out of you. I've given up years off my life to play this game. Mm-hmm. And so I know that. I understand that. But, man, the journey of it is great. Well, to take it all the way back to the beginning, you know, we talked about the AU influence. Yeah. Do you think it's just because, you know, like, listen, when I was in high school in the, in the 90s and uh, you were in high school in the early 80s? 70s, man. All right, my bad. No, that's okay. <laughs> I don't look like it. <laughs> so, uh, so when I was, we didn't really have AU. Towards the end, we had club teams. So we had like the Arizona Heat, the Arizona Stars, stuff like that. But um, the AU circuit wasn't as prevalent as it is now where you have like basically like 100 to 200 teams in every city. And, and, and these players, if you get a good one, they're babied. They're yeah. babied every step of the way. They're coddled all the way through. Um, I literally watched a game the other day, superstar player, high school level game. Um, and like, I was shocked at the amount of input a parent had from the sidelines actually coming to this, to the bench and talking to said player and trying to get his influence on what was going on on the court. And I was like, that would have never happened back when I was playing. My coach would have been like, he would have told my dad, to shut the fuck up and sit down. Exactly. He would have said that. Like, exactly. Because uh, coaches want that ultimate control, and they should because they're the ones that are running this team. It, there's just a different mindset now when it comes to these players today and w- how they're brought up into that system. I coached AAU when I retired. How'd and, that go? And uh, it did let me know that people <laughs> didn't give a rat's ass who I was. <laughs> when it comes I to believe their, it. When I it comes it. to their kids. Yep. And I had a parent walk up to me one time. Now, my son was about six, four at the time, young, you know, gangly, couldn't run much. Mm-hmm. You know, he's clumsy like I was. He was me all over again. And then I had this one parent walk up to me and their kid was like five foot 
four. And I even saw start to have a little hair on his face, right? So his kid was a lot more balanced than my kid. And he walked up to me and he's like, and his kid was playing too. It wasn't like his kid wasn't playing. Walked up to me like, you know, your son's not ready to play yet. And you know, my son should be getting the minutes and he's gonna be a tremendous player. And I looked at him and I didn't say anything during the game. I called a meeting after the game. I took all the parents in the room. And they had their old, you know, what they're saying about their kid, their kid should be playing. And I said, okay. I said, this is a really, like, you getting to know EJ moment. <laughs> okay. So now you're getting ready to meet Edward. Like, Eddie is who you think I am. Now you're getting ready to meet Edward. I told one parent, I said, look, and the kids weren't in there. I said, your kid is five foot two. He's growing freaking hair right now. I guarantee you in high school, he's still going to be five foot two. And he's not going to play ball. Okay, I said, so I understand right now that he's playing, but don't start breaking down my kid who's going to be six foot eight. Okay, so I said, just stay in your place and let me coach. And he looked at <laughs> Now, granted, I use more definite words than that, but I just had to let them know, look, I love your kid, and yeah. I know his kid to this day. Guess what? His kid is a top lawyer in New York making a ton of money. Okay, so just let me handle this and let me get, guide your kid and I'll lead him in regards to having toughness, aggressiveness. Uh, you know, he knows what he wants when he's in front of it. And guess what? Your kid realized he wasn't a player, mm -hmm. but he can energize himself in something else. And all of a sudden now he's very wealthy, very powerful in New York as a lawyer. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the part that parents don't allow people to teach their kids. But, man, AAU, man, it's crazy. I've had to go on the stand and tell people stop cursing. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. and be respectful. And and so, yeah, that's part of the issue, man, with these kids, man. They they are used to yes, man. I, I saw it firsthand. Yes. I saw it firsthand out in Colorado as a referee. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember a specific game. I literally had uh, a, a girls team that was really, really good. And they had to play, they were eighth graders, and they had to play a seventh grade boys team because mm -hmm. um, they wanted to play in the boys tournament. So for whatever reason, they put them in that tournament. I don't give a shit. I'm the one refereeing. I don't right. care. And this girl down low in the post was, I swear she was Charles Barkley reinvented. She was giving this dude the business. <laughs> and he was taller than her. Um, and he blocked her shot. But when he blocked her shot, he hit her with the body. And I called a foul. <laughs> and I remember coming to the sideline, and w the coach just is losing it, talking about I'm being soft uh, because uh, that's a girls' team, v being very sexist because he was a fr he was he was their team was getting embarrassed by these girls, mm -hmm. and he did not like it. So I had to kick him out, and it was so funny by, because by the end of the game, I almost had to cancel the game because the guy was still standing in the in the doorway. But <laughs> but the parents you around, were worried. The you parents, didn't know what he was doing. You, know, well, you never know. <laughs> but the parents around, um, some of them understood. Yes. The other section was like, no, like we back up coach because for whatever reason, some people just want to jump on controversy and they want to back up something, even as silly as it may be. It was one foul out of, you know, 32 minutes of a game. Yeah. So coach uh, – Generally, 
the worst part of these games is because of the family members yes. and the parents. Yes. To me, it's never really the coaches. Some coaches, yes. In some AAU programs, they think they are the next version of Phil Jackson. And they come out there and they got the swag nice. and stuff like that. You're being nice. <laughs> but, I, think, I think AAU programs, uh, it is some good ones. But it's a lot of bad ones. No, a lot because of bad Because they're ones. out for the money. A lot of bad they're out for the They're out for the lottery. And, and that's fine. That's fine if you can get the kid to that point and do it the right way. But it's a lot of them out there teaching kids the game the wrong way. The wrong way. The wrong way, man. Like, parents, you watching now, trust me, I wouldn't allow your kid below, as strong as they are, they can't shoot threes. Don't allow it. Make them shoot close in to the point where they're not straining to shoot the ball. I saw a game before a game a week ago, and I'm sitting there watching it. I forgot where we were. We were on the road. We were there so long, I forgot where we were. <laughs> but they had a little youth game out there at halftime. And they were out there eight minutes. And in those eight minutes, those kids took about at least 43-point NBA That's shots. That's crazy. That's crazy. They they wouldn't drive the ball or anything. They just, drive, they just dribble down and shoot a three. Man. And I was just appalled. I was just like... I want to go out there and talk to the coach. Like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. I saw I saw a practice one time where a coach was literally teaching his team how to do a Euro step, but none of them, none of them knew how to do a hop stop. Yeah. None of them knew how to do what the hell a three-point stance was. No. You know or a V-cut. A V-cut. Oh, my gosh. Back door. Like, Throw the ball into the post. The basics. Three-quarter. The, the, the triple threat position. No. Like, none triple of Triple threat. What is that? <laughs> That's <laughs> foreign language. It's crazy. You shoot the three or drive to the hole and try to dunk if you can. Break your break your back trying to dunk. You yep. can't jump. Yep. 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 That's how it is. A lot of those parents could probably use uh some of these OGs brands, edibles, just to calm them a little bit down when they're watching these games. Uh, OG's Brands, the sponsor of this show, great friends of ours. They have tremendous, tremendous products. CBD, THC, you name it. They're dropping their new strawberry and cream, uh, I believe, tomorrow, which is huge. And uh, listen, it's a happy balance uh, edible, and you're going to love it. Uh, check them out at basically every dispensary out here in the Valley. Uh, they got sativas. They got indicas. They got the the hybrids. You name it, they have it. It gives you a nice little mellow. I usually partake in the sleepy time gummy because sometimes, you know, Brother just can't fall asleep, and you gotta just take a gummy just to help you out. So uh, check them out. Any dispensary, ogsbrands.com is where you're gonna go for that. Uh, it's officially. Oh, I'm sorry. As always, you can find them at your local dispensary. You must be 21 and over to enjoy. All right, now to what everybody's probably waiting for as well. The Suns. You know, obviously, we we do a show every single day here at PHNX on the Suns, and we'll be here tonight for the post game show. But uh, you know they're they, they've hit they've hit a skid here obviously, but help is on the way. Cam Johnson's mm-hmm. back tonight. Uh, Chris Paul is officially out for tonight, but that's that's it's okay. Yeah. He's close. Um, are they going to be okay? First of all, I think a lot of people just want to know. Eddie, tell us something good. Is everything going to be all right by the end of the season? Hashtag we still good, <laughs> but hashtag we bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you have to be honest with yourself in order to move forward. Like, that's I've always approached that. Uh, You have to. I used to laugh when people would say, I think every shot I shoot is going in. No, you don't. No, no. When it left left my hand, I knew it was a brick. 
So I tried to chase it down. You must not have been a good shooter if you didn't know where that ball was going. Right. I knew. So I'm chasing it down. Yeah, yeah. I knew. So I hate when people say that. Like, they try to talk from perfection. No, we're imperfect. Perfect is a lie. It's the biggest lie in the dictionary. Perfect. He thinks he's perfect, but he's not. I'm not. A little bit more perfect than him. I'm a little but, bit more humble than you. I know yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Look, we're struggling. And we're only struggling because we're beat up. Now, I'm not going to do, like, make an excuse for injury because over the last few years, a lot of teams have been injured and the Suns have taken advantage of it. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you got Devin out. You've had DeAndre out at times. Chris Paul's been out a lot this year, okay? Cam Johnson hurt early. And Jay Crowder still at home on vacation. So that group of guys were the reason they won 64 games. Okay. They've had a plethora of lineups this year, more than any team in the league. They've had more games lost to injury than any team. What do you expect? Yeah. Like, it's not fair to expect Mikael Bridges all of a sudden to turn into Devin Booker. He'll do it from game to game, but it's not his, that's not his persona. You gotta, you gotta kind of grow with that. Take about 10 shots. I love when he, in the Houston game, when Mikael couldn't throw it in the ocean. Mm -hmm. I loved it because it let him know, it let me know that he wasn't going to stop shooting. And he didn't. Okay, yeah. And he came back the next game and he played well. He's got to get to that point. He's not Devin. So when you lose that much offense and you lose a guy that now people should know is an MVP in this league in Devin Booker, you're going to struggle. And that's what this team has done. But you know what? They're still top 10 in, in points allowed defensively. Yeah. So we need offense. And that offense is on the sideline, and we're going to get it back. And so I'm telling you, if we get them all back, I feel sorry for Denver and Memphis at the top. I do. And not just for the Suns, but if the Lakers get healthy with Anthony Davis, the Clippers probably wind up down there, and Kawhi decides to play more than two games back-to-back. And please, I mean, I, I would be fearful. I think this is going to be unbelievable, man, this, this end of the season run. I think a lot of people at this point, obviously you want to make the playoffs. You want to avoid the play-in. But right now, listen, as we stand, Utah is sitting in the sixth seed, and we are at 12 in the West. But we are only a game and a half back yeah. of that spot. So it's not like we've lost a tremendous amount of ground. And we talked about it. The entire West, there are only three teams right now with an over 500 record on the road in the West. Everybody else is sub 500. Everybody. By at least two games. It's pretty crazy. That's that's the parity here in the West right now. It's, it's almost you just got to stay healthy mm -hmm. and you got to find your groove at the right time and you're going to be okay. Yeah. It's an 82-game marathon. Exactly. Like, it's an 82-game marathon. And, and so, yeah, last year we ran the marathon extremely well. And see how that turned out? Nothing is a given. Uh, and so when you're healthy at the end and you have a chance to do something great, you're going to have that chance in the Western Conference without a doubt. And I bet my money on this Suns team as a healthy team. And who knows, might have an addition or two uh, even before that. I believe that if we're healthy, 
we have as good a chance as anybody to win it. Golden State showed it last year. Golden State, at the end of the season last year, during the middle part, right after the All-Star break, was ridiculously bad. Yeah. They won the title. Because why? They got healthy at the right time. All of a sudden, other teams started to struggle. So I'm not bothered by that at all. Yes, I would rather have a better position. I would rather these guys have been healthy. But, you know, indirectly, I think they've been humble. They were humbled last year by the Dallas fiasco. And I think now they're going to have a, 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 a different mindset. Not as much pressure. They're supposed to lose. They played Denver in the first round. They're a seventh and eighth seed. They're supposed to lose. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I am. I think it's going to be fun. Okay. All right. Well, we got some super chats here. Uh, we'll start off with this first one by HM. He said, uh, book is about the work. Yes, he is. Thanks for the super chat. $4.99 from HM. Appreciate you. And then Brian Abdallah's got a question. He said, can we get Eddie's idea on why our players can't throw post passes, especially the DA? He seals time and time again, and they look away. Now, DA is a hot Hot topic, obviously, around here. Uh, the Supermax, his performance, uh, people are questioning his motor. People are questioning, you know, can he be a number two? Um, I know there's a lot of controversy. What is your whole take on DeAndre Aiden right now, um, where he sits? Are you have you, been, have you been disappointed? Have you been excited? Or are you kind of in the middle on how he has performed in Devin Booker's absence? The only thing I really want to see from DeAndre is to knock the mm out of somebody. Yeah. Like, get into a fight. Like, I would like to lock him in a room with Big Daddy, and he thin daddy now, because Mark West, you haven't seen oh, him lately. I was like, who the hell's Big Daddy? Yeah, he thin. <laughs> he thin, man. Like, he thin. Whoa, what? <laughs> Mark, Mark West used to be Big Daddy, now he thin daddy. <laughs> lock him in a room, and as thin daddy, and just leave him in there and let Mark West just oh, ruffle oh, him up wait, for wait, about time two out, minutes. Time out, time out, time out. Hold on. You can't just skip right over that. Wait, wait. So you, so you want to lock e a DA in a room with Big Daddy and Edward? Because <laughs> I'll be, because yeah, I'll be the one over there talking about get him, get him, get him, smack him. Oh my goodness. Okay, and, carry and on. What, basically, what I'm saying is really lock him on a court and just let guys just beat him up and tick him off. Because I think he plays the game with too much respect. He's Ferdinand the Bull. He plays it with too much respect. Tiptoeing through and, the tulips. But historically, you know, if you read Wilt Chamberlain's book, he said that he had a hard time being very physical with guys when he played because he thought he'd hurt somebody. And if you talk to a lot of big guys, they'll say that. And I think because of that, DeAndre knows that he can still get a good look if he just turns and shoots his jumper, which he's very good at instead of just straight gangstering somebody and just try to put your elbow in their chest. You get six fouls for a reason. Strategically, you can use those six fouls. Shaq used to use them very well. And I think he has to get more aggressive in the paint. Early this year when the season first started, I thought he was. He's trying to tear the rim down and all of those things. I just think he needs to stop shying away from contact. Go through the chest of somebody and let them feel you. And then next time, guess what they're going to do? Back up. They're going to back up. Now, in defense of DA, and you brought it up with the question, and I'll answer the question. The most lost skill mm. in basketball. We just talked about it. Is the ability. My goodness. To throw the ball in the post. Yes. I was excellent at it. I'll pat myself on the back. I was. You know why? Because I was a shooter. And I was always on the side of the guy that was in the post because that guy that's guarding me yep. is not going to help out. 
Like, if I throw it in, he go help out, he toasts. Because EJ, <laughs> all day long, okay? So he going to stay right here. Like, he want to kiss me. He ain't leaving. I can't, I, I can't tell you how many guys I thought actually wanted to kiss me when I played because they was just right here. They wouldn't leave me. And they better not have. So I had good angles to throw the ball in. I, I learned how to throw the ball in. Take two dribbles to the left because if I, if the guy is sealed and, and DeAndre has him on his side, you lean in and you throw the ball in. Mm -hmm. Know what they do? They take one dribble and they lean and mm -hmm. they try to throw it in. I talk about it on the telecast, and I guarantee you I'll mention it tonight. One of the worst skill sets, and, and they, the players today are just more skilled than the guys back in the old time. Mm -mm. Okay. Not fundamentally. Okay. Okay. Keep believing that. No, because they take shortcuts with their athleticism, and I think it drives me nuts. So, yes, you're right. D.A. is flustered at times because guys are lobbing the ball in, not firing it in. Mm -hmm. I had a guy, LaSalle Thompson, very good friend of mine, uh, played with him for years. I used to try to hit him in the head with the ball. Joe Klein. Joe Klein's hands, and he's a Phoenix son. Joe Klein's hands about this, like, how big are your hands? Not very big. Yeah, well, you Joe, you Joe Klein. Damn, you Joe what, Klein. What? You Joe Klein. <laughs> Joe Klein, ball hit Joe Klein, ball bouncing everywhere. Like, so he, like he playing handball. Like, so you know what I started to do? I started to blast it right at his head. I... Pow! Destroy it right at his head. Guess what? Started catching it. Started catching it. And I okay. told him, I said, I'm every time I pass to you, I'm trying to hit you in your freaking nose. And that's what they need to do. Just learn to fire the ball in and trust that that person is going to receive it. Man, it frustrates me looking at that every night. Yeah, it frustrates everybody. I promise you that. You know, it, the simple fundamentals to me, you know, even just a, a simple shot fake, drop the ball down low. You know, even yeah. that's been lost from yes. time to time. I, I Sometimes I can't even remember the last time uh, a, a guy, like I've watched too much basketball, especially in the NBA, and seen guys do a simple shot fake and that right leg goes back and they're right-handed. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not fooling anybody. No. Like you're not shooting from that position. Or they step backwards and step out of bounds. Yeah, or that. You know what I mean? Like, Which I like just, to throw. I Man, I'm telling you, you know how many times I like to just throw something at somebody. <laughs> like I'm your first step should be jab step forward, forward, not backwards. Simple. Uh, it just, simple. It's just those types of things, man, that yeah, me started. Uh, <laughs> and that's the whole point of this show. We got some more, we got some more uh, super chats right here. Uh, Eric Rodriguez, question for EJ. Do you think the Suns should trade for another all-star to help book or trust this roster in the postseason? I think we need somebody that can go get their shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. It doesn't have to be an all star. It's just somebody that can. You throw them the ball late in the shot clock. That's my phone, man. I'm oh, sorry. You're First you're show you're phone. Who you? Why you calling me right now? I'm busy. <laughs> uh, a guy that you can throw it to. Ten seconds on the shot clock. He can catch it. Look at the clock, and he can go get a look. Like. He can go get a look like book. <laughs> okay, I'm not trying to be a poet here, but that's the case, mm -hmm. right? And and if you have that guy, it releases book from having to put so much strain on himself all the time to be that guy that has to go get it. And that's the kind of guy I think would be a great addition. 
I, I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said. There's been a lot of speculation. If you missed the PH Next Sun show yesterday, Gerald and Espo broke down um, what the situation is with Matt Ishbia trying to take over the team and all this other stuff. A lot of movement going on. But at the end of the day, moves should be made to try and shore up this roster to a certain level. Yeah. Now, will it be enough to get them back to championship contention? I think right now, if, if I was a betting man, and the Suns were completely healthy as they stand, I would probably put my money on them to get to the second round of Western Conference Finals. I don't know if they can can overcome the mountain necessary enough to get to a championship. Um, but, again, there's so much unknown about this NBA season, so much parity. All you got to do is get hot at the right time, and you're going to be okay. That's the way I look at it, especially in the West. Uh, all due respect to Memphis and, and Denver, who are playing excellent basketball right now. I'm not scared of them. No, no, I'm not either. I'm not scared of them at all. Uh, Jokic is unbelievable. I want to see him do it in the most pressurized moments. I want to see Jamal Murray, who I'm so happy that he's healthy. He and Michael Porter Jr., I don't want anybody injured at all. Uh, they're playing excellent basketball right now, but I'm not scared of them. Uh, I'm not scared of Memphis, even though Memphis thinks everybody's scared of them. And I love their brashness. I love their team. I truly do. Uh, but, no, I, I think if we can get healthy and we can make some just some additions that's not superstar-esque, it doesn't have to be that. I, man, I would feel good going into any playoff setting, and more so because of the experience, too, uh, that we, we've gotten over the last few years. Not afraid of it at all. I think it's going to be a special run, man. We just got to get healthy. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it there. We got some. We got two more super chats to round out the show. Uh, one from Rach, ten dollars super chat. Thanks, Rach. I have been so excited for this show, and I'm looking forward to the rest. You guys are great. Are a great duo. Thanks, Saul and EJ. Appreciate you, Rach. And then Colin Dewitt with the super chat, four ninety nine. This is going to be a legendary show. EJ and Saul, let's go. So excited, EJ. You're by far my family's favorite commentator during the games. Uh, Good. You know what's so funny about that is and I told EJ this, you know, my very first Suns game I went to, uh, my dad took me to, I was excited. I'd never been to a Suns game. We are playing the Seattle uh, Supersonics at the time, and they had uh, Lucas. John Lucas was mm -hmm. on the team. And my dad used to hang out with John Lucas, <laughs> used to hang out with John Lucas back in the day. And when he saw him courtside, they hugged and they talked or whatever. And you were you came out of the tunnel from, this is the old vet mm -hmm. Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And my dad loved your game. He loved your game. I was a big KJ fan though, and so I wanted. Okay, I was too. I he kept passing me the ball. I wanted the KJ <laughs> poster. So when we went up uh, to 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 leave the game and we were done, I went to the to the souvenir stand mm -hmm. and I I pointed. I wanted the KJ poster, and my dad was like, "No, no, no, EJ poster." Yeah, so learn how to shoot for the very first the very first poster I ever got was an EJ poster. And probably because your shot was like this. He it, like you was, know you need to see watch watch EJ. You probably shoot sideways. <laughs> Or like campaign, who's perfected it? You know, turn looking over there, shooting over here. That was probably you. Listen, man, I, I no, still, you got to be right on head on, man. I head still on. Hold Look Arizona high school shooting records here. Let's go. I, well, I, 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 that's, not that's not saying much. That's not saying much. All right, I, mean, I can count. I so, can count the amount of high school players <laughs> that left and made it to the NBA on maybe half a hand. What from Arizona? Uh, it's picked up lately. You can't count Richard Jefferson, man. Why? He was, he, I played against him. Man, because Why would that not you count? can't, man, because he was an army brat, man. He was, he was all Come over on, the place. Come on, man. I'll take Home Richard bread. Jefferson. Home Mike bread. Bibby. 
Jared Bayless. Man. Jared Bayless. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jenny Fry. Fry. Yeah. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. To me, those are the two best because they were mm, ingrained in Phoenix. Mike Bibby was ingrained in Mike Phoenix. Mike Bibby was ingrained Mike in Bibby Phoenix. Mike Bibby was better Mike, than both of them. Oh, uh, well. Come on. I'll I would, say this. Mike Bibby's high was higher than those two. Yeah, I would say that. Because Mike Bibby I would was say that. Ruthless. But my favorite, I, I like Mike Bibby. Uh, but my favorite was Jared Bayless. And then you got Sean Elliott from around here. Like, come on now. What what does Sean grow up at? Tucson. Uh, let's go walk. Not around let's go. Here. <laughs> okay. It's not around here. It's not Phoenix. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, hey, sometimes I have to be humbled. I love I'm, Sean. Though. I love Sean. That's not Phoenix. I just like a buddy of mine. He says he's from Chicago, but he, he grew up in Evanston. Oh, Dude, you're not, not from Chicago. Yeah, that's not. Okay. I, I hate when that. people say that from Chicago. Well, I'm from, you know, you from Chicago, Eddie? I'm from Chicago. Where you from? Uh, I'm from uh, Evanston. No, you're not from Chicago, no, dude. No. My guy grew up in the Cabrini Green. That's that's, that's a different world right there. Yeah, for I, sure. I'll take you there one time. <laughs> I drop you off, and I'll go around the corner. Even though Cabrini Green's not there anymore, but if you if it was still there, I drive around the corner, come back, you might be naked. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that at all. So take your clothes. Take everything you got. All right. That's episode number one of Outside Shots with my man, Eddie Johnson. We appreciate you guys for following. Make sure you subscribe to this uh, this YouTube channel. Uh, hit that like button, too, on your way out. We appreciate all the, all the love. And then give us a, a five-star rating. I'm not coming rating. back if you don't. A five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We appreciate all the love. We'll be back again next week, next Thursday at 11 a.m. Uh, and, of course, you can always hit me up on Twitter, in our DMs, if you have questions for the show, things that you would like for us to address. Hey, we're here for you. That's what we do here at GoPHNX. So check out GoPHNX.com. Become a diehard today. Until next time, we appreciate you. Peace.